This episode of EM Weekly has been archived. The ideas presented by the former host of EM Weekly may not reflect or represent the values of the Readiness Lab and the Doberman Emergency Management Group. Out of respect for the guests who contributed to this episode, it remains available online. EM Weekly starting right now, bringing emergency managers from around the world together to learn, share and collaborate. Good morning, good morning, and good afternoon, depending on where you are around this uh, great world. And today, it's really exciting to be talking about the great shakeout and kind of like, you know, where it came from and how it got to where we're at. And, you know, it's you've been involved in in, in, in it. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. But uh, first, I want to bring in bring Dan. Dan. Hey, good morning. Hey, man. Good morning, what, everyone. What have you done for the great shakeout in the past? In the well, in the past, what we've done, we do the drill. So we sign up for the to, to participate. We said so we test our, our mass notification system, and then we we um, actually uh, observe the drill being taken place throughout the the institution. Um, that's what I, and I've worked at different organizations in the last ten years in here in California. So I've been able to uh, participate in in many different forms. I know uh, it was UCI a couple of years ago uh, when they did it. They they did a candy bar shakeout thing so like if you took a picture of yourself doing a great shakeout you, you earned you earned a candy bar there's all sorts of unique ways of of making a great shakeout uh fun and not not necessarily a uh thing and uh so yeah well you know what incentivizing what? people to participate yeah you gotta you got to right i mean you gotta make it fun right but you know what i have we have mark benton here from the great shakeout he's actually the guy from the beginning has been there and, and Mark's a great friend of the show and a great friend of mine. Mark, come on to the show. How's it going? How's it going? Hey, good morning. Great. How are you? Doing good. So great shakeout time. It's coming up October yes. and uh, it's always great to talk to you about it. And, and, and I know you've been doing a lot of stuff with it. So what's new with the great shakeout? Well, you know, this is our second year um, during a pandemic. And so we've been really focusing on supporting organizations that might have people in many different places. We have a set of drill leader PowerPoints that could be used through Zoom or other online systems to lead either uh, you know, a, a, a totally virtual drill or maybe hybrid or even to use in person. And those you can find right link from the main page at shakeout.org. Uh, uh, look for the COVID-19 link there, shakeout.org slash COVID-19. And we have those for higher education, for organizations in general, and also for uh, schools. So, you know, I mean, we've been doing this for a bit now. It's, I mean, how, how many years has it been now since we started COVID? Well, since 2008. So I don't know which year it is, uh, <laughs> 13 years, 14 years, whatever it is. Yeah, and, and it's just amazing that, like, even since 2008, I mean, we so many drills and, and so many people participate in it. And, I mean, I think, like, it started off as, as here in California, I know, and then it's just spread worldwide. How many nations are involved in, in the Great Shakeout now? Well, we have official participation uh, in a few in, in, in Canada, several provinces, in Japan, in New Zealand. They have uh, a nationwide shakeout, really the only full nationwide one day, everyone in the country. Well, not everyone, but many people in the country. Uh, and But there are... You know, schools and businesses and individuals that are participating from something like 70 other countries each year. 
So the cool thing about the Great Shakeout is the the support from that you guys give to all the educational institutions, whether it's K through twelve to higher ed. I mean, we talked about the businesses as well, but I mean, let's talk about those resource pages that you have because I think that's for for me when when I was participating when I was the, at the higher ed uh, as an emergency manager, uh, it was just so easy just to go in there and, and grab stuff. Well, how much work do you guys put into that resource page, man? I mean, it's, it must have been hours. Well, uh, you know, we are supported by FEMA uh, through uh, the National Earthquake Hazards Reduction Program each year to support all the the states and territories and to to make those resources. And, you know, we've had them over the years uh, and keep adding to them. And shakeout.org slash higher education, given that we have a bit of a higher education focus here today, is where you can find guidance and resources specifically for colleges and universities. But the general resources page and you know, there's lots of pages there that you can find how to participate uh, for all the different groups. Uh, and, we, you know, we really have tried to be responsive to what people uh, find useful and to make things that they can both use to plan their drills, to execute their drills, and then also to share what they're doing with others. So ShakeOut is very much around, you know, getting everybody around you and, and, and that you know and other organizations to uh, participate because when the earthquake happens, everyone's going to be participating in that too. What kind of promotional tools can can people expect to find when they go on to that site? Well, uh, if you're a drill manager, we do have a special page. I'll let people know about shakeout.org slash messaging that we share with our key state partners and others that has all the, the press releases and guidance on how to uh, message on, on social media uh, there are uh, also just basic, basic uh, uh, web banner graphics, posters, uh, videos, and other things on various pages that you can find on the site. So some of them are, are just general. Some of them are local to your region. So you can get to your region's page and look for those there, too. So the question came into the comments about earthquake weather. Is it true or not? Oh, it's not true. Uh the weather really only affects the top three to six feet or so of the surface. Where below that, where earthquakes happen miles deep, there's no effect from the weather. There, you know, there's always kind of patterns that we want to see. We want to see like, oh, it's hot and dry when those earthquakes happen. Therefore, that means that's when earthquakes happen. But it really is just uh, generally when there's those types of patterns, you're, they're short term and and they're uh, not a guarantee that that's when earthquakes will happen. Some other places, it's it's cold and wet when earthquakes right. happen. So, uh, you know, it, 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 it's uh, less key. The important is that people know what to do when earthquakes do happen to drop, cover, and hold on. Or many of the other guidance that we have now uh, through a, uh, another organization that we lead, Earthquake Country Alliance, at earthquakecountry.org slash step five of the seven steps to earthquake safety. So it's earthquakecountry.org slash step five. You get all the guidance of what to do, you know, if you're driving, if you're in bed, if you're someone who uses a wheelchair or other mobility assistance devices, you know, if, if you're in outside, of course, you stay outside. If you're inside, we want you to stay inside. Running out is when things fall off buildings and often where people get injured. Uh, in, in most situations, it's the small objects and furniture that cause injuries. And so um, that's why even step one of those seven steps is to secure furniture and other items so they won't fall in the first place. What uh, I'm, I'm going to probably going to get somebody mad at me right now, but 
What organization had that earthquake game where you would have to get the room and try to try to secure everything in the? Do you remember that, Mark? Um, are you talking about Cal State Northridge, which had a earthquake um, a, a escape game? It was like a video, and you like it was like. I, anyway, oh, you're I, talking about beat the quake. Beat the quake, yeah, yeah. yeah we yeah. had that. We had that. It was in an older. Uh, it was programmed in, in an older software that we now have to make a whole new version of it. Uh, we hope hope to try to do that, but it was a little um, game for securing things before the earthquake happened. Yes, I actually had fun with that. You know, when we're when the beat the quake game, that was that was actually kind of, kind of that's the point about this, right? I mean, like that's the other thing where Dan and I were just talking about before we brought you on was, you know, the earthquake drills don't have to be the scary, you know, earthquake drill, right? I mean. You know, it could it could be lots of fun um, as as well, right? I mean, you know, yeah, it could be serious fun. Right. So it's an important uh, activity to do to practice drop cover hold on or lock cover hold on if you're in a wheelchair, lock your wheels, uh, and, and the other actions and really other aspects of your emergency plan. Put it all together. Uh, but you know, you can add that in, as a drill. You can add elements to make that more interesting, whether raffle tickets or candy bars under the desk that people might find once they go there or, 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 or having people, you know, in, in makeup as, as if they've been injured, all those aspects that kind of make it more interesting for people to participate. The other key thing this year, because of, of the pandemic, you know, people should consider maybe not having a one big drill with everyone together and everyone maybe if you have evacuation as part of your drill, you don't have to, but if you want to, you know, convene everybody to do an assessment of everyone, everyone's status, you know, maybe you don't want to do that with everyone. You want to break it down into smaller groups uh, for social distancing, all those factors that you might want to adapt. And it's important, even though most people participate on October 21st, what we call international shakeout day, you really can have your drill on any day of the year and, you, and at, at any time too. So it might be, if you've always had your drills in the morning, maybe you want to try it in the afternoon, maybe even want to try it in the evening when everybody isn't together. No, absolutely. I'll tell you something though, and for personal experience, um, I know this works. Um, we had a, eh, I was going to say a significant earthquake, but a, a pretty decent earthquake um, a few years ago. Um, and my my son, we have a big vaulted ceiling type thing, and my son grabbed my daughter uh, when she was about, I think she was two. And uh, went underneath the table and and held on. All right, um, you know he did the he did the drop cover hold on, without even having to think about it. It was just second nature for him to yeah. do it. And um, after the earthquake was over, I was really super proud of him. And then I, yeah, I, children are learning this in schools where you know in earthquake country, especially in California and other states, uh, they are mostly learning to do it at school, uh, where they have their typical desks. And it's, that means it's important for families to practice at home too. So um, they don't always translate the action from when they're at their desk to when they're at home and are, or in a different situation. Um, we've heard stories of, from other countries where even kids who've only practiced inside their classroom have run inside to get under their desks hmm. uh, uh, and then the building collapsed. So really practice in different situations that if you're out and about say hey what if an earthquake happened right now and you can it's it's really surprising how young you can uh, children can be that you practice with as soon as they can kind of walk and talk you can talk you can make it a game that we talk about uh, a story called rabbits in the hole where where you say rabbits you know uh earthquake coming bunnies get in your in your burrow 
uh, and they practice it that way, and then they know what to do. And so you start building that very young. And it also means you're not having to worry about them during the shaking as much, and you can protect yourself so that you can then take care of them afterwards, and you don't have your kids having to call for help for you. No, absolutely. Um, one of the things um, I, I also think about, too, is like how do we get people to break that um, – uh, the, the the fear mold of being the first one to go onto the desk. And I, sometimes even as emergency managers, we feel that shake and we don't automatically do the, you know, drop down. Um, what what can we do as a, as it's a big, just a philosophical question, I guess. What can we do as a society to make people not be afraid to be the first one to go underneath the desk? How do we normalize it, I guess? It's the drills. It's practicing. It's, it's having everybody do it. It's re- talking about why it's important, you know, and, and, uh, West Coast states now have an additional kind of notice that it's time to drop cover, hold on. And that's when an earth, earthquake happens and the shake alert, uh, earthquake early warning system uh, will send out signals through apps like MyShake or through other cell phone services and other devices. Uh, that may give you a few seconds notice that an earthquake waves are coming. And you don't want to kind of wait and figure out, oh, is this going to be really big enough? Or, is it, you know, you want to act immediately. If anything, it will be an uh, unexpected drill. And, you know, the, the, you don't know when what's really going to happen, how strong that initial shaking that you're feeling that might be small will become big and uh, how quickly you need to protect yourself. It's always just a good, even if it ends up not being important, uh, it's setting, setting a good example. Uh, and we all need to make that example especially emergency managers who are telling this to others. You have to walk the talk. Right, absolutely. So what are some regular consistent mitigation, uh, mitigative efforts that people can take in their home uh, to ensure that when an earthquake does strike, it limits the not only damage to the home, but also uh, potential damage to themselves? Yeah, so I mentioned step one of the seven steps to earthquake safety we call secure your space. You can find a lot of information about that and share in graphics you can share with others at secureyourspace.org. Uh, but this is strapping furniture to the walls so it won't fall over, uh, securing small objects with earthquake putty and wax that is remarkably effective for preventing them from falling around or even flying across the room. It's securing uh, kitchen cabinets with latches, uh, you know, water heaters and appliances, all these things that either could fall in and cause injury on, on to you or your pets or your children uh, uh, or others. It can, uh, of course, have damage. Uh, it also can block your exit or the entrance of others to coming into where you are, which could be really uh, of concern if you're someone who uses a wheelchair or uh, are injured uh, or if there's a fire in your bookshelf has fallen over. So, uh, you know, there's various furniture strap products uh, available and other types of latches for cabinets and all these things that will prevent a lot of that damage. And the more you do, then the less you have to be concerned about the number one source of injuries, uh, which is all those things falling or flying around, uh, which is the reason why we tell people to get down, cover your head and neck. And it's not like this with your hand just over your neck. It's really elbow all the way up and your neck and your hand over your neck, you know, getting down immediately covering like that. And then if you can, uh, crawl nearby to a, a table or desk to get under for additional shelter. It's all about protecting yourself from things that might be falling or flying at you. 
Absolutely. And that, uh, that actually, too, it goes to um, not only just general earthquake safety, which is great, but it's actually everyday child safety. Uh, you'd be surprised at how many injuries take place around the home because kids climb on furniture or grab something and pull it over themselves. I mean, when you secure those things to the to the uh, wall or to the heavier furniture, you're not only preventing it falling over an earthquake, you're preventing it falling over by accident as well. Number one source of childhood injuries in many years now has been falling TVs. And, you know, TVs and some furniture you might get at some stores might come with a little strap, with a little screw uh, that you, you're supposed to put into the wall. Uh, that is just tip prevention. That's not kid quake or pet quake or earthquake uh, protection. Um, you know, that's if you bump it while you're cleaning it or something. Uh, so you really want to get the better straps that have bolt, that we really kind of bolt into the studs in the wall. And it has a really um, uh, 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 super sticky uh, uh, 3M uh, uh, adhesive that will uh, not damage your furniture or other items, but will, will stay and will hold on uh, and prevent it from tipping over. I'll tell you a funny story about that. Um, I went through my house and I put the earthquake putty on all my my wife's little tchotchkes and stuff around the house and um she'd get mad because when she dusted she would have to fight the, the, the earthquake putty and when we had that earthquake i was talking about earlier um the only things that broke were the stuff that she took the earthquake putty off of so yeah one i want one 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 win for todd <laughs> hey guys we're gonna everybody should go to shakeout.org to find out more also to register where uh, you know, each year we know we have millions of people participate because they sign up and let us know what they're doing. And we uh, really encourage everybody listening to do that and to plan to have your drill. Uh, uh, if you're in Utah, just FYI, shake out. You probably know it's held in April each year, so you have more time. Hey guys, let's take a quick break. When we come back, um, I want to bring in a couple of other guests. Oh, okay, I guess we're. Uh, <laughs> I guess we do it this way. Hey, look, I'm excited to be working with Disaster Tech. It's the leading decision-making uh, science platform of risk and resilience. And so, Sean Griffin, the CEO of the company, is a great friend of Ian Weekly and is a thought leader in emergency management. Um, he will be at the IAM conference here um, in uh, uh, October, which we'll be speaking at. So, take time to learn how Disaster Tech's Dice Solution can help the team plan uh, and exercise across government and industry. Uh, leverage they're going to leverage data and, and risk intelligence and accelerate evidence-based decision making and ultimately save uh, more lives more money more time and you can follow them on uh, twitter at disaster tech inc for more updates you know uh that being said uh disaster tech you know and and this big data uh it's really helps with uh, decision making in general so uh we have to be exploring that as, as emergency managers even more and also, Disaster Tech is going to be involved with the NDAM, the Natural Disaster and Emergency Management Expo in New York City that I'm going to be participating in in October uh, 17th and 18th. And I'm excited because I'm going to be on stage with Craig Fugate and Pete Gaynor, and we're going to be discussing what it is to be an emergency manager um, at the highest level. Uh, if you won't be able to make it to New York City, we'll also be stream, uh, streaming that. More Stand by for more information on that. And when registration opens, we'll be sharing that information as well. But I'd love to have you uh, guys show up to New York as well. But uh, now that being said, I want to share a book as well. So, Brian, can you share that? Yeah, there it is. So the the big ones, this is Dr. Lucy Jones. The reason why I'm bringing this in today is because she's really, really a big 
a part of the initial great shakeout uh, drill that we did uh, back in 2008 and and the uh, um, that she did the, was the science behind it and this is a great book if you not have if you not had read it if you have not read that please go out and get it this is not a sponsor by any means uh she's uh didn't you know this but this is a book that i have on my top 10 books an emergency manager uh should read all right now that being said bring the guest back in dad did you read this book yet i have not read that book man I'm gonna buy it for you for Christmas. Well, you tell me that you tell me you're gonna buy me something every year, and I never get anything. I'm always disappointed. Santa never comes, so don't promise what you can't deliver, my friend. I I, I will I will definitely <laughs> I'll definitely put it on your Amazon wish list. And I'll, I'll 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 buy it for you. So, Mark, come back in, and then I also want to introduce Steve and Jennifer. We're gonna have a lot of people on the stage today. Yeah, there we are. We're all on. So, so real quick, Steve, Steve and Jennifer, they come from higher education. They're both active emergency managers, Steve with USC and Jennifer with LMU. Uh, I know we're a little, little West Coast uh, centric today, but that's okay because that's where we, we, where we work. So <laughs> Jennifer, welcome to the show. Thank you. Pleasure to be here today. And Steve, welcome to the show. And Todd, you know, ShakeOut, I didn't say, is actually headquartered at the University of Southern California um, at the Southern California Earthquake Center. So uh, very grateful for Steve's leadership and shakeout at our own institution. Absolutely. Thank yeah, you. I want to talk. I want to talk about the first exercise or the first. Yeah, the exercise that we did uh, many years ago with with Dr. Jones's uh, science behind it, and and it really kind of got the great shakeout moving forward. Um, what was that earthquake, and and uh, why was that an important uh, exercise? You're talking about the shakeout scenario that the U.S. Geological Survey and many scientists led by Dr. Lucy Jones uh, completed in 2008 for a magnitude 7.8 on the Southern San Andreas Fault. And it was a very comprehensive assessment of what would happen in that type of earthquake. It's not the most likely earthquake that will definitely happen, but it is a plausible earthquake that, that can. And it was really designed to be something that would kind of stretch the system and that everyone in Southern California would need to be dealing with, uh, unlike earthquakes like the 1994 Northridge earthquake that was fairly, you know, centered in one part of the region. You could have mutual aid coming in from, you know, not too far. Whereas in this big earthquake, it, you know, it would really be other states or even countries having to come in to support because the shaking and the, and the other effects and all the all the damage and the water and power outages and everything would be kind of all over. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Steve, I you know, people didn't realize that the rock in the movie The Earthquake was uh taken after uh Steve's uh character. So Steve, very very famous guy down there. <laughs> yes, it's just that I can't fly a helicopter up down the state without refueling. It's just impossible. <laughs> so so uh, Steve, you've been around, you know, as far as emergency management and especially, you know, the great shakeout uh or the great for for a long time. You know, as a, as an institution of higher education, what are some of the challenges that you found in planning for and executing these exercises? Yeah, so we started, you know, at the very beginning in 2008 when the ShakeOut was created, and I really found it as a great vehicle to uh, have all of our departments and our schools work towards a common goal with a date in mind that we need to be able to get our planning in place so that on that day it's showtime, right, and to be able to actually execute it during a drill. And at USC, we've uh, each year for, for the past 14 years, now the 14th year, um, we've done various different things. So we've done full-scale drills. We did our first full-scale drill in 2008. 
Uh, as a matter of fact, the drill took place, uh, I think it was around 10 o'clock it was advertised for, and we actually purposely started ours at 8 o'clock so we could get the morning news uh, coverage, which works out great because as an emergency manager to get that free helicopter video coverage to use for training later on was excellent. Um, but then ever since then, we've done anything from full-scale drills to portions of our emergency response plan have been ex exercised. And some of the challenges, of course, is how do you take this big organization and make it and have everyone do, you know, drop, cover, and hold at the same time. And our solution has been as we've created USC uh, ShakeOut Ambassadors. And these are anywhere from our floor wardens, could be our CERT members, or just um, employees or faculty members within their buildings. And there's, we have about 200 plus uh, ambassadors across the university. And what we do is we start about the first week of October and every week we send them information to share with their students, faculty and staff. And uh, it's basically we take from the uh, seven steps, uh, the seven steps that Mark mentioned and just kind of break it up. So each week there's this, maybe we take two or three steps, share it with them and now we're promoting it. And we've really built it into the culture. And now everyone expects that in October, they're gonna participate in the shakeout. And so these ambassadors not only help us uh, promote preparedness, but they also actually um, facilitate the drills in their buildings. Uh, they'll remind people that it's coming up and then on the actually morning of, they walk their floors and remind people again. Uh, or, you know, if someone wants to do the candy uh, motivational thing that Mark mentioned, you know, putting under the desk and they take care of that. Uh, and then on the actual earthquake, they're the ones either uh, putting on the audio uh, that uh, actually uh, is provided through the shakeout.org uh, website, or um, you do their own um, announcement, and that gets the engagement. And then we have them take photos, video, and then we also, you know, um, promote the different departments and schools that have done a great job. A uh, good example is we had one group one time had a FedEx person could walk through their office delivering right at the moment of the shakeout, and they actually had that person <laughs> drop cover and hold on and. Uh, that picture went went viral after that uh, of the FedEx uh, person uh, getting involved. So it's it's really just building that culture in, and continuously throughout the year, even when you're not doing the shakeout in October, if an earthquake happens for real, that you take advantage of that opportunity to send things out to those shakeout ambassadors and remind them, look, this is real. This could happen. Remember, everybody, secure your stuff, get your supplies together, that kind of thing. And Jennifer, so you're you're you know, kind of came from a smaller school than, than USC. Uh, what are some of the challenges that you have come across and, and what do you do for earthquake shakeout? So in the past, what LMU has done, it's kind of like a big on-campus, um, all departments efforts come in. It's been uh, what we call it the quake fest. So we have the drills in the morning and we also have one in the evening where we do it in at 10 a.m. to go ahead and participate with everyone else for the great shakeout. And then in the evening, we host it for our students that are having evening classes or even for student organization meetings. So they could also participate and kind of have that experience in a different type of setting. So in between that time, we have the Quake Fest. So we set up a fair, we have different booths, we have agencies come out, SoCal Edison, SoCal Gas, we have LAFD, LAPD, um, so many different agencies to come out, share resources, um, we do giveaways. Um, and then we also have like a little stamp card. So if you visit all the different booths, you could go ahead and get a free meal at a food truck. So it's a big ordeal that we have on campus. Um, everyone looks forward to it in the fall. 
Um, unfortunately, with COVID, we've had to kind of transition into a different way. Um, so part of the drills is that we set up our LMU alert and we activate that. And then we also activate the PA system. So all across campus, people are, are hearing the drill going on and they partake in it. So now last year, we transitioned to still use our LMU alert system. We send out alerts to individuals via text, via email, and we also use our um, system with the intercom so individuals can still participate, those that are on campus. Um, now this year looks a little different that we have students back on campus. So we are still gonna continue with doing, uh, activating our LMU alert, sending them the messages and just sending that educational component to let them know like what to do wherever you are, hold on, uh, drop, <laughs> sorry but um you know the ordeal of the stop drop and hold on so that's what we're going to be sending out that communication and then we're also going to be using the resources uh that shakeout provides for professors to use during class um we're sending out those messages so they could also partake in that but just for the conditions right now we're not going to be hosting the quake fest mm. hopefully in the future with covid getting better um and the whole situation, we're able to have a quick fest, um, maybe even through tsunami week, so we could go ahead and have mm. those alerts going on and drills. It's a that's a good idea doing during doing. What type of what type of activities do you guys uh, conduct uh, leading like throughout the year leading up to the the drill itself? What kind of promotions and and getting people ready and training do you provide uh, as a mitigative and preventative measures? leading up to the drill that takes place? Yeah, so we have our earthquake um, team. So our, I'm sorry, not the earthquake team, the emergency response team. So those are kind of like the warden program type of ordeal. And we have uh, those representatives across campus throughout different departments. And so we communicate through them and promote the, the drills. We're gonna, we send messages through them just to let everyone else know like of the different steps of uh, earthquake safety and just getting um, the message out there and letting people know like, hey, this is what's going on. Um, also just giving a, a name for emergency management on campus. So they all know that there's efforts going on to protect the community and to make them empowered and resilient for anything that may come our way with earthquakes. Sue Fisher has a question. It says, uh, what can higher education do to involve more community around the university for earthquake preparedness? That's a great question. I think that's a Mark question. Or maybe maybe Steve, maybe you could take that. You're in a larger university. Yeah, I know we we you know we're very community oriented. We have a community um, you know liaison department, and and we've done a lot of work with individual schools, uh, with individual um, religious organizations and nonprofits, and so uh, oftentimes we'll be asked to help out with uh, various different uh, earth, you know we'll provide earthquake preparedness. Our public safety might provide information other than earthquake, maybe active shooter information, that kind of thing, and so. Um, we're always, you know, always trying to help the community and, uh, we, you know, we have an open campus. So when we do our preparedness fairs and other things, then the community could actually come in and, and participate. Um, so the, the other thing I wanted to mention too, you know, Dan, going back to your, your other question about what we do leading up to um, the shakeout. Uh, at USC, we have many different emergency response teams, disaster medical and, and 
and our cert programs and whatnot. So we spent a few months ahead of time doing our practices and doing our review trainings and and really getting everybody ready. And it's it's the planning leading into a drill is really what's the most valuable piece because that's where you work out all the kinks and that you make sure everyone understands roles and responsibilities. We do a tabletop exercise with every single school and their leadership team so they understand how they do their business continuity activation um all leading up to it so it's it's kind of like a season if you will the season of uh us going in there and, and working with all the groups leading up to the shakeout hey dan i want to push that back to you a little bit you know since you're a community college you know what what, what does a community college or what kind of community college do to really engage um the uh the community well, the community itself, so what I do or what I am doing, because as I, I've said a few times, I'm actually building this program. Um, and so what we're doing is we're just in, we're pushing the training aspect and the, the, the situational awareness and how it can apply towards. And this, this will come to um, earthquake preparedness as well, but uh, how easily uh, doing evacuation training can fall into um, uh, being able to aid you in an earthquake. So if we do an evacuation drill, after an earthquake and you need to evacuate, you, you, you've, done, you've done the evacuation drill, right? You've dropped covered, you've dropped covered and held on. Now it's time to evacuate and now you can evacuate. First aid CPR training, if we have, if we have injuries, right? And after, the, after, the, after you've, you've dropped, you've covered, you've held on, after the fact, after you evacuate, you can treat those that are, may be, be injured. So it's a lot of training that leads up to the ultimate kind of culmination of everything and how it applies. Uh, ultimately, we bring in, uh, the, we, we partner with the Red Cross, we partner with um, with the county and the city that we reside in. Uh, I have four campuses right now, soon to be five throughout the county. So we also, we can't just go with where the main campus is. We have to go with the county and the cities in which those other campuses reside to partner with the way that they do things and the way they train and how they respond. Uh, so not only are our drills and our tabletops uh, just centralized to our main campus, but also our, our, our four other campuses as well. The students, on the other hand, they, it, this and this is all related to uh, employees, faculty, and and visitor training. But when it comes to our students, uh, we that's where we test our mass notification. Uh, that's where we offer first aid CPRs. Where we offer um, uh, mental health first aid as well. We do a mental health first aid uh, uh, courses leading up to. We do uh, we're, we start getting ready to start uh, uh, a college cert program, which we don't have yet, but which we're getting ready to initiate. But it's going to be countywide. So there's a lot of things that we do to, it, it's not just what's happening on campus, it's happening in our community. As you mentioned, Todd, it is a community college and a lot of the community utilize our space. Mm-hmm. Daniel, that's fantastic, all that you're doing with, with ShakeOut. You know, we, 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 we figured out early on that if we ask just a, you know, a basic thing, like just take one minute to get down under a table or something to protect yourself, that people would do a lot more. But if we ask people to do a whole lot of things as a requirement and you have to do all this complicated reporting, then they might do nothing. Mm. So uh, it's great to see what people are doing. And also, you know, you mentioned the different types of drills that people do. And, you know, you may be in an area where an earthquake drill is not you know, required uh, as it is in California above many organizations, especially schools, but fire drills are, are required. Uh, and you may have a regular practice of doing fire drills. You don't have to separate them necessarily. You can just say the difference between an earthquake drill and a fire drill is that um, you just get under something for a minute and then you do what you would do in your fire drill. So you don't have to have a special separate uh, earthquake drill necessarily. You, know, you can, but 
just like I said earlier, you can have your shakeout earthquake drill any day of the year. We just kind of make one day where it's a little bit more visibility, a little bit more, you know, support for what the drill managers are trying to get people to do because they know it's happening all over worldwide. It's not just the one person. It's not just Jennifer or Steve that's trying to get them to, to do this. Uh, it's really something that is uh, everyone's doing. Or Daniel. Right. Jennifer, this is going to kind of come to you because I, I like this this question that the preparedness guy had, or statement, I guess, but I want you to kind of expand it. Because I've seen colleges team up with fire department and EMS to do exercises in conjunction with the great shakeout or campus cert exercise during the shakeout. You stated, you stated that you do work with uh, local fire PD uh, with your stuff. How do you build that relationship? So the way that we build our relationship is just LA is super big. We find the fire station that's closest to our campus. And that's essentially the one that we have closest communication with. So we start building connections with them and we get them involved in regards to like these big uh, activities that we have on campus with the Quake Fest. We bring them out. We invite them to these events. We also um, invite them out to um, we have uh, the fire extinguisher event so they go ahead and host that with us so we basically help each other kind of help them help us where we get their exposure on campus and we get our community to know that they're there as a resource and that we have that connection with them so they also feel a lot safer on campus that we have that resource that's great eileen says you guys reach out to college and universities to help get developed uh children's hands out to address different scenarios i also i mean that's kind of a great idea to work with a community to, you know, some of the stuff that you get to other students and other, like the art department involved in disaster preparedness and specifically earthquake. Now, Steve, I know with, with your school, with USC, it's a very large school. You guys have programs with your student filmmakers and things like this. How do you get your students involved in um, the great shakeout? Well, a good example, you know, tying it into our, we do have a CERT program, our campus emergency response funds team program. And a good example is this year we intend to uh, do a search and rescue simulation uh, for our teams to go through. So we've reached out to our School of Dramatic Arts that have makeup artists who will do our moulage, uh, which is creating those fake injuries. Uh, We try to make it as realistic as as possible. And so that's a good example where we get them involved. And then we also have a student emergency medical technician group. Uh, These are full-fledged EMT certified, and they work with us on a regular basis. So in exercises and drills, they're able to participate as well and do triage or any other aspect uh, of the disaster medical piece. Do you work with your uh, with the hospitals as well, Steve? Yeah, well, we, you know, USC does have a hospital. So we, we have our health sciences campus. And so we have a whole plan just over there. And so when we do the shakeout, they have their own um, version of the drill that they do. And then there's a connection and a piece into it. So we have our incident command system and our emergency operations centers. And there's a you know, link between the different entities within USC that practice communications and coordination uh, during the shakeout. All right. I'm going to ask one question for everybody um, and, and pick it up as you, as you will. Uh, what is one tip that I'll start from the top uh, we'll, with Mark. We'll go down. We'll end with Jennifer because on my row, that's, that's why I have it. So uh, Mark, what, and what is one tip that you could give to a college or university who has never participated in the Great Shakeout uh, to be successful? So let's start with Mark. 
start by going to shakeout.org slash higher education to kind of see all the ways to get started, to promote and plan your drill, to hold it and uh, find resources there. Uh, we even have, with the help with Steve, uh, guides for what uh, should be done in laboratories. Uh, of course, can be very dangerous places on a, on a campus. So uh, lots of good information there. And, you know, really the website is where you go. And you can also always email for other assistance at info at shakeout.org. Dan. Engage your leadership and the directors around campus. Um, let them know what you're doing, why you're doing it, why it's important, and how they can help you in, in not only preparing, but conducting uh, drills. Steve. If you haven't participated before, or even if you have, <clears throat> I would brainstorm the various different um, things you can do. We mentioned several on here today, from fairs to the ambassador program to, to drop cover and hold. And just choose one. You don't have to have a big, giant, full-scale drill. That takes six, nine months, sometimes 12 months to plan. So with a month left, I guarantee you there is something you can do that's within your um, scope, even if you're a one-person shop. Um, utilize your university or actually even private industry to utilize your communications department uh, to help you create some materials to promote and use your social media to promote and create a team. Um, go outside, you know, force multiplier, go outside your department. And, and like um, Dan mentioned, your leadership or various operational people from different departments and bring them together and talk about what you can do. But even as simple as just promoting the shakeout, even if you don't get a 100% participation the first year, uh, it's a good way to, to start. And then after the shakeout, just as much to promote what was done and, and then keep that momentum going throughout the year. Jennifer. All right. So I highly recommend uh, reaching out to your res life or housing. You have students living on campus. They're a great population to provide those resources to. Usually they're like, this is the first time they're probably living outside of their home. So they're very vulnerable. They're eager to learn. And I think they're just a great population to start with directly on campus. So that's a great avenue to go forward with. Absolutely. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Um, we're really at the, at the end of this, at, the, at our time we have, and we've stretched a little bit, uh, but unfortunately we have to go. I, I could talk about this all day long. I think this is a great program. Um, I've been participating in the Great Shakeout uh, since the beginning of the inception of it. Uh, what I mean by that is as a, as a drill participant. And uh, Mark, it's been a pleasure working with you over the years. And just let everybody know that Jennifer, Mark, Daniel, uh, Steve, myself, uh, Sue Fisher, um, we are a part of the Higher Education um, Committee uh, for the Great Shakeout. So we've been working together on this stuff. And um, I think it's an important committee to be part of. And if you guys want to get involved in the Great Shakeout with the organization, uh, reach out. Uh, all the information is going to be in the show notes below. Uh, and so please uh, click the links and, and participate because I think these things do save lives. Okay, and also everybody, thank you for participating with us today. And thank you, um, uh, no problem. And we'll 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 see you guys in a second. And I'm gonna say goodbye to everybody else here. Um, hey, listen, everybody, thanks for being here today. Uh, please, 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 like I said, check out everything that that they're doing. Mark is doing a great job. There's a lot of good free resources out there for you to use. And um, you know, without this, uh, you, you know, you, you guys can. Yeah, there's lots of things that can happen that are wrong. If, uh, if we don't participate in new drills. Um, hey, and again, thanks for spending time with here, here, here at Ian Weekly. Follow us on your favorite podcast player. And you know what? Go on LinkedIn and follow us on LinkedIn. Connect with us there. Lots of information being shared there. We're doing some cool polls and some questions 
I participate with all the other emergency managers around the area. And don't forget to stay safe, stay hydrated.